where I've just seen a study come out of Liverpool University where they, quite a big group, 50, 50 people with a control, 20-something-year-old um, kids, uh, half given um, barefoot shoes to wear every day, just walking, no running, yeah. and half um, just carry on in their daily lives. And there was a 62% increase in foot strength of the people just walking around every day in barefoot shoes compared to the normal 20-something-year-old people. Weakened feet from wearing normal shoes, that they've, they've, they've just gone away from this kind of... It's not about having sort of strong, macho feet. It's about the fact that most people have weak feet from wearing normal shoes. And just by taking your shoes off and walking around, you just start to get back to your natural foot strength. Hi. I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to this episode of All About Fitness. That voice you just heard right at the beginning is this episode's guest. That is CEO and founder of Vivo Barefoot, the shoe company, Galahad Clark. Galahad is a member of the Clark family, and the Clark family is a seven, he's a seventh generation cobbler. Cobbler are the, is the trade of making shoes, and Galahad, as you heard, is from the UK. So for hundreds of years, his family has been making shoes you know, athletic shoes, work shoes, you know, formal shoes. For, for years, for hundreds of years, his family's been making shoes. But in 2012, Galahad started a new company, Vivo Barefoot, because he realized shoes were being made the wrong way. On this episode of All About Fitness, I want you to be aware, I'm not doing this. I, I try to, when, I, when I speak with somebody from a product company, what I'm trying to do is give you an insight into why the product was developed. I'm not trying to promote the product. I'm a big fan of Vivo Barefoot Shoes. Now, over the years, a couple I know a couple of people at the company, they've, they've given me some of the shoes to wear, to try out, to give them some feedback. And, and you hear some of my personal reaction about Vivo Barefoot, but I'm going to wait till the post-show wrap-up to share some insights into how I've used barefoot training and how I use minimalist shoes. So if you want to learn more about that, I am going to talk about that after the interview. But for the interview, I want you to hear Galahad Clark, they reached out to me and I wanted to be able to, to, to have him on the show, partly because I want you to learn more about the function of the foot and the role that the foot plays in your fitness program. The other thing I want you to think about is the shoes that you wear when you exercise. The shoes that you wear make a huge difference. Running shoes are designed for running. Weightlifting shoes are designed for weightlifting. Cycling shoes are designed for cycling. Shoes will have a very specific design. Now, some shoes can help promote function of the feet while other shoes inhibit or reduce or restrict function or motion of the feet. And that's what we, you know, and, and I want you to understand, this is not going to become all about your feet, you know, just like it's not going to become all about your fascia, but I wanted you, I had the opportunity to, to interview Galahad, and I wanted you to hear the thought process to understand that there is, most shoe companies out there are more focused on the appearance and more focused on the marketing of the shoe than whether or not the shoe actually supports human biomechanics. You know, think about that. You know, you have you pay more than $100 for some shoes that you wear for working out, but they may be working against you. They may be working against the way your body is designed to move. That's why I wanted to interview Galahad. Galahad is really upending the shoe industry, and he's doing it as, as a member of a family that's one of the you know, longest-serving, you know, shoe families, cobbler families in the business. That's why this is so significant. So in this, in, this episode of All About Fitness, I interviewed Galahad Clark, the founder of Vivo Barefoot. But before we get into the interview, obviously, I'm going to have a couple uh, a couple of announcements or a couple of ads, but I really want to take a moment to say thank you. There have been a couple great reviews written about the podcast lately. So to the Box Club at MCC Mad, 
you know, I can't thank you personally, but I want to say thank you for taking the time to provide a review. And for listeners, I'm not charging you. Yes, you have to listen to a couple ads. It's not a big deal. I'm not charging you any money. I'm trying to bring you great content to help you understand how to use fitness, how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. So the only thing I request right now is a couple of reviews. If you can take a moment and write a review on wherever you listen to this and let other people know the benefits to listen all about fitness, that'll help other people get this and that'll help us promote the show and yada, yada, yada. So that aside, thank you for those awesome reviews. I really greatly appreciate it. Even people that leave negative reviews. I'm actually going to address one or two negative reviews reviews I've received in an upcoming episode. So I do want to, because I do read the negative reviews and I take that into account because if one person writes a negative review, that means there are other people out there thinking the same thing, but not taking the time to write. So whatever reviews you write, please keep them coming in. Thank you for taking the time to write them. Thank you for taking the time to listen to All About Fitness. So after a brief word from the sponsors of All About Fitness, Hyperware, and we have All About, and we have TerraCore, TerraCore is the longest running sponsor of All About Fitness. And real quick, I just had a meeting with the C, with um, the not the CEO, but the president of Hyperware, and he showed me a couple of really cool products. They're not out in public yet, but these are things that Hyperware is coming is developing um, that are really. I want to. I can't talk about it, but I, I really I, I'm stoked to have the relationship I do with Hyperware because Jeff and Dirk are awesome, and they showed me a couple really cool things that I think are going to change uh, some of the ways that we do fitness. So with that further aside, I'm going to, this episode is interviewing Galahad Clark, the CEO and founder of Vivo Barefoot Shoes. Thanks for tuning in. After a brief word from the sponsors of All About Fitness, we'll get on to the interview. It's a platform. It's a balance tool. You can do a ton of different exercises on it. Guys, you've been listening to me talk about the TerraCore. You've been hearing TerraCore ads on All About Fitness. Well, I've got great news for you. I went to the folks at TerraCore. The code AAF, I changed the code. The code AAF now gets you a 25%. That is 25% savings on a TerraCore. Use code AAF to save 25% on a TerraCore. What is TerraCore? Go to TerraCoreFitness.com, T-E-R-R-A, CoreFitness.com, and check out one of the coolest products in fitness. See why Men's Health voted it one of the top fitness at-home products that you should have for your workouts. Check out TerraCore Fitness on Instagram to see some amazing tricks. Again, TerraCore now is 25% off through All About Fitness. Use code AAF to save 25% on the purchase of a TerraCore. You can pick them up. You can carry them. You can lift them. You can swing them. You can throw them. You can do core training with them, metabolic conditioning with them, high-intensity interval training. Whatever you want to do with movement, you can do it with a sand bell, you can do it with soft bells, or you can do it with a vest by Hyperware. Hyperware makes some excellent products that allow you to move with extra resistance. Resistance training is what makes a difference in your body, folks. If you want to get stronger, you got to pick up something heavy. If you want to burn a few calories, you pick up something heavy a little bit faster, but do it safely. Whatever your fitness goal is, Hyperware makes a product that can help you achieve it. That's H-Y-P-E-R-Ware.com. Hyperware, makers of the vest, one of the best vests out there on the market. You can use a weighted vest that stays close to your body, and you can do a tons of cool body weight exercises with it with a little extra weight. Hyperware also makes sand bells and soft bells, very unique weights. I love them. I use them in my book, Smarter Workouts. 
because they work. Use code AAF10, that's AAF10, to save 10% on the purchase of any Hyperware product and go to hyperware.com to check out their entire catalog. A quick little note here, Galahad and I met in person, so there's a little bit of background noise, but also I hit record right in the middle of the conversation, so you catch us in the middle of the conversation and we go on with the interview. Here we go with Galahad Clark, the founder and CEO of Vivo Barefoot. Irene Davis is interesting to interview because she's the, she's in the film as well. And yeah, she's, a she's head the of first the doctor. Spalding uh, Running Center in Boston, in oh, Harvard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she came to Barefoot through okay. science. Oh, really? So she was a biomechanist. Um, uh, I can't remember where she where she started, but. Um, and she was looking at the data, looking at the data, and it didn't make sense. Yeah. And she, st- she started then experimenting with minimalism and ultimately barefoot, and the data brought her to become a barefoot advocate. Really? So she's really interesting on that level. Yeah. And, and like, so she was completely kind of at the other end of the spectrum and made the journey, came out of the closet, so to speak, um, <laughs> came out of the barefoot closet through science and data. So, and, and, and she speaks you know, uh, beautifully to that. Well, and that's the thing that we know with biomechanics, right? Is we know that over the last number of years that if we if we stick the feet if we stick the feet in shoes that don't move, we get a whole host of other injuries. I mean, that's what we've seen, yeah, right? Chain reaction, and, and that's where it goes. So, is that is that what caused you? And, and we'll just jump right into the interview. Is that what caused you to get to get started with uh, Vivo Barefoot? No, um, I was an ignoramus shoemaker, and you know my family were making, you know, frankly supported padded shoes. They were relatively healthy, honestly, uh, and they would have been called, and, and frankly, they dominate the UK kids market as the healthiest, best kids shoes. Yeah. But the truth is that you know, based on what I know now, they were, you know, quite a long way away from minimal footwear actually um, and it was a childhood friend of mine that came to me with the idea and he uh, through Alexander Technique teachings ah, and he okay. was constantly rolling his ankle playing mm-hmm. sport and things and he realised through Alexander Technique that he was healthier and stronger when he was barefoot and he was a product designer at the Royal College in London mm-hmm. and um, as a sort of little project basically took a pair of Nike Hirachis cut off the sole and stitched on a moccasin-like sole and brought them to me, tried to sell it to Puma or Adidas. Yeah. Um, and brought it to, I was, I was already, I had a little shoe company called Terraplana, already making kind of eco shoes, let's say, but they were not in any way minimal, to be fair. Um, and he just came and said, this is the way shoes should be made. And he kind of started me on the journey and I instinctively loved the idea and then we set about developing the products together and it was you know, an incredible journey. It took us years to actually make a convincing, really minimal shoe. The first ones had a zip around them. (laughs) And the idea was the sole was so thin, you could easily just repair them. Or it was so kind of the only shoe you'd ever need that you could easily then just swap up a kind of, the idea was you sell it as a pack of three Mm. and you could swap up the um, with different uppers basically. So the sole was always, the sole and the shape was always the same. So you just have your, your kind of tennis shoes, your Sunday shoes, and your work shoes, or something. And anyway, like all those ideas, sofa beds and trousers that turn into shorts. Yeah. You know, they're not particularly good shorts or trousers or sofas or beds. Um, same with us, and it was a nightmare in manufacturing. And so, it 
took us four or five years until we made a convincing Vivo Barefoot prototype, and that was up until about 2009, and then Born to Run came out, and the whole thing kind of started to... to Were you affiliated with Born to Run at all, or you saw that and you knew that you were on the right track? Uh, yeah, more the latter. No, okay. it wasn't a, a, originally not at all. Um, but then the guy that Lee Saxby, who you've had various dealings with, was yeah. we worked intimately with for years. Uh, we coached Chris McDougall, and we got to know Chris McDougall, and through him, got to know the people at Harvard, people like Dan Liebenman, and you know, we went on this massive educational journey, and. Um, mainly educating ourselves, but also trying to educate others along the way. Uh, and now, it's coming from somebody that's been in the shoe industry for a while, how revolutionary is this idea that we need minimalist footwear? I mean, the truth is it's not that minimalist, it's not that revolutionary at all, because there was a lot of good work done in the 19th century. People like William Rossi, you might have heard of, mm-hmm. um, and various other scientists, and there's a guy called Camper, Funnily enough, I'm not actually sure if Camper took their name from him, but he was a um, a scientist into barefoot thinking, you know, in the 19th century, and then a lot of stuff around the turn of the century. And interestingly, Clarks themselves, in the 1880s, ran kind of adverts that are uncannily kind of they could be Vivo barefoot adverts oh, really? today, right? And, that, and it's the adverts complete juxtapositions showing the sort of Victorian footwear of the day compared to foot-shaped footwear with medical text showing most eminent medical men of the day would agree that um, looking after the shape of your children's feet is an important thing and you know even adults can regain the natural shape of a healthy footwear just by wearing foot-shaped shoes. And the advertising campaign was called Hygienic Boots and Shoes. And it saved the family business 150 years ago or so. And but anyway, you know, we went through the 20th century, and you know, Clark's fell into this whole technological kind of um, what's the word? I was going to say masturbation, but that's inappropriate. I think um, you know, te- I wouldn't know technological that's what, journey. That's what I liked about shoe spiracy, though. What I liked about shoe spiracy is you showed the fallacy of having the feet too protected. You know, you have, you know, you, what I liked was going into the development of the running shoe in the 70s, and people that didn't know how to run thought they needed a heel strike. You know, what did we learn? What is the proper, when we walk, what's the proper mechanics of how the foot interacts with the ground? So walking, the natural gait is a heel-to-toe um, gait. Yeah. And you, you use the, th- the three rockers that we call your, your ankle rocker, your heel rocker, and then your big toe, ball-to-toe push-off. Um, and then running, I mean, I mean, and I'm sure you know this just as well as I do, that like we always say, if you want to learn how to run, watch a four-year-old child running around a swimming pool barefoot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, 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 that's, that's perfect human locomotion. And they, they sprint and run all day long without even thinking about it, changing direction, because obviously balancing what is a massive head on a long spindly spine. Yeah. They have to get the biomechanics right, otherwise they fall over. So they put their head directly over the hips, directly over the feet, with lots of little steps, beautiful posture, beautiful rhythm, total relaxation. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, sort of suddenly at age five, we send them to school, we sit them in chairs, tell them to shut up, sit down, stop moving, put big padded shoes on them, and so begins a 
journey of shit movement habits. But that, what I love about that, though, is I'm doing a talk this year at various conferences where I show kids on a playground and then I show adults in an office oh, yeah, because okay, they're two yeah. completely different. And, and we go from being – and I've noticed this. And when we talk, we both have kids. My kids are now at the age where I'm starting to see less and less kids at the playground because they're now starting to get in more organized sport activities, yeah. which is a little bit sad because movement is critical. And, and you're absolutely right. When we see kids move, they are natural and authentic. But what happened with shoes? Like, how did the shoes, when, by adding the heel, and let's talk about the heel and the drop. You know, what is, what, first of all, we'll go with the drop. What is, what is drop and what, what does that mean? Well, zero drop, as, it, as it's referred to, is literally um, no drop from toe to heel. So just a completely flat shoe, whereas most shoes obviously have some kind of wedge yeah. or heel that elevates the heel above the ball and the toes of the foot. Yeah. Um, so and and what happens is in a lot of people is that they that that reduces ankle mobility and also literally reduces the length of the Achilles and the tendons associated with it. So the the foot as a whole becomes a kind of less mobile uh, structure. And so in a lot of people in the journey back to zero drop, you know, there's you know, and and you know we're obsessed with kind of sort of don't run in our shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Unless. You've taken it slow, you've walked and, you know, regained natural foot strength and natural foot mobility. But I want to take a pause there because I think that's so important for people to hear. Because that's the mistake that was made a few years ago when people started going to minimalist is they thought if they were doing a five-mile run in their regular running shoes, they just put their minimalist shoes on and went out and did the same five miles. Exactly. And that's why so many people got injured so quickly. They didn't realize that when I first started wearing minimalist shoes, I probably wore them for three to six months before I started doing any serious like movement in them yeah. because I knew that I needed to let my foot were going to be articulating completely differently. And so that's a very, I mean, that's very important. I want people to understand that if they wear minimalist shoes, there's a period of transition because you're going from being in a, in a pretty much a fake environment to being completely articulating with the ground. 100%. And that's, you know, that's, that's a big challenge. And, and look, I think we are experiencing, as we like to call it, the second barefoot revolution, so yeah. to speak. And the, the first one was littered with people that, like you say, oh, nature will heal me. And runners naturally are kind of yeah. competitive and um, ambitious. And, oh, you know, nature's going to help me run faster and further. And, um, and obviously, like you say, if, if, if you, tr- you know, in anything in life, if you do too much too soon, uh, you know, and especially, and we're just seeing now, like the um, results of research just around barefoot walking. Yeah. Where I've just seen a study come out of Liverpool University where they, quite a big group, 50, 50 people with a control, 20 something year old um, kids. Uh, half given um, barefoot shoes to wear every day, just walking, no running, yeah. and half um, just carry on in their daily lives. And there was a 62% increase in foot strength of the people just walking around every day in barefoot <laughs> shoes compared to the normal 20 something year old people. Yeah. Which, and, and the point is, it's not about that their feet got stronger. The point is that most people, even in their 20s, have like such weakened feet from wearing normal shoes that they've, they've, they've just gone away from this kind of... It's not about having sort of strong, macho feet. It's about the fact that most people have weak feet from wearing normal shoes. And just by taking your shoes off and walking around, you just start to get back to your natural foot strength. 
And so you can extrapolate that, that, you know, after a year, they'd probably have 100% yeah, yeah. improved foot strength. And it doesn't mean you have kind of six packs on your bloody arches and things. <laughs> it just means you've just gone back to what your natural foot strength would be if you hadn't been wearing normal shoes. That's, that, a, that's like staggering numbers, right? Well, what's, what's really, and I, I'm going to look for that study because I love seeing that data, but what I've seen, you know, I've done a lot of work in China and I've done a lot of work in the Philippines, you know, going and teaching, teaching workshops at health clubs over there because fitness is blowing up around the world yep. in Asia. And anytime in, I'm in Southeast Asia, Philippines, Thailand, China's not Southeast Asia, but you see the people that have been grown up wearing flip-flops and wearing sandals, their feet are completely different shape than the Americans' feet. Their feet are fully articulated. Their, their, toes are, their toes look strong like our fingers. And the mid-feet, you know, this is something I noticed riding the subway and stuff, their, their feet just look complete. They almost look like, and I'm not, I'm not denigrating them by any stretch of imagination by making this comparison, but their feet look like monkey's feet, meaning they're more articulated, they're stronger. You can tell they're more muscular. So you talk about six-pack abs, but I can tell these people have almost six pack feet yeah. because they use them naturally. Yeah. You know, have is that the feedback you're getting about foot strength? Is that something that surprises people? They didn't realize that they lacked foot strength. Exactly. I mean, no, no one thinks about it really. Yeah. Right? And I, I mean, I was even. I mean, I knew that it was. And we'd seen studies, you know, kind of showing MRIs of feet and how the intrinsic muscles do do grow and become stronger just from people wearing less shoes. Um, no, but I wanted to, you know, it reminded me of a story where I met a, uh, a famous, you know, prolific children's shoe designer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I do with most people, I was rabbiting on about barefoot and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, and she sort of turned and said to me, yeah, but have you ever seen people that have never worn shoes? And it's like, exactly like you just said. Yeah. She said, yeah, their feet are really big and wide. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's what a natural foot looks like. And she turned to me and she said, well, and, and she designs, I won't mention the brands, but she designs shoes for like the leading children's shoe footwear companies mm-hmm. in the UK, in Germany, in Italy, in all, you know. And um, she said, we deliberately design children's shoes so that their feet don't become like that. Because then when they're older, they can fit their feet into nice leather shoes. And I said, and, and, and anyway, actually, children in Germany have different shaped feet than children in Italy that have different shaped feet to children in the UK so we need to design slightly different shaped shoes for those different shaped feet and I kind of like just let her sort of play this out yeah. I was like you know, and, 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 and as she was sort of saying it to me I was kind of like you know you do realise what you're saying don't you yeah, yeah. And, and it just sort of you know gradually dawned on her that, and, and the truth is that you know that's why we were sort of compelled to make this film uh, that we've just launched called Shoe Spiracy. That you know, the, 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 the big shoe companies they know that they are deforming children's feet, and, yeah. and they're sort of saying the consumer isn't ready. That's what the consumer wants, and you know, it's gotten to the point where because all the kids in Germany are wearing certain brands, yeah. the kids' feet have become shoe shaped. But not yeah. just shoe shape, but the shoe shape to the shoes in Germany. Yeah. And it's sort of a self-fulfilling kind of... Well, and that's the thing. The human body is completely adaptable. No matter what you do repetitively, the human body is going to adapt to that. So, and I think for listeners, I'm just going to go through quickly the biomechanics of the foot strike. Because you talk about the heel making contact with the ground. And the heel bone, the calcaneus, is actually the thickest bone in the body. 
because it's going to make the most impact with the ground. You hit with the outside edge and you go on the, the big toe, the first metatarsal, and then you basically what people don't realize you're supposed to push off with your big toe. That's where a lot of your propulsion comes from. The great toe. The great toe. Well, well, the flexor helicus longus. I remember it's from, <laughs> it's from an old anatomy course I took years ago, but the big toe, for, for listeners, if you want to know, your big toe is technically the flexor helicus, helicus longus muscle. But if you land on the heel, you hit the outside edge, and you push off on your big toe, you get proper propulsion. So what happens if somebody's heel is elevated, whether it's in a dress shoe, a high-heeled shoe, or whatever? What point, what, what part of the foot is going to make first contact with the ground? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's still arguably the heel, but the, the problem with the, the padding and the raised, raised heel, uh, you know, the, the, as we would say, the, the, the hierarchy is that what allows you to do is overstride. Yeah. And um, and because you just you, because it's it's sort of more efficient and and being hedonists we always like seek for you know the the, 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 the easiest lowest energy kind of uh, activity and and so just overstriding and then when you're overstriding you then don't get the, you know you lose the ankle mobility yes yeah and you know the the big toe as you said is 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 so important, it's designed that way. It's four times as thick and four times as dense as the other metatarsals, the other toes. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and like you say, modern footwear, apart from raising the heel, it also then shoves the big toe up over the other toes and, and you, you literally don't use it. So you see most of the pressure going through the second met head. Yep, yep, yep absolutely. And, and, so and that's not designed to get lots of pressure. No. And, and the so big toe kind of recesses and... Uh, becomes not so great. Well, that's just it. And that basically describes how bunions get formed. Because if you're pushing off, if you're pushing off underneath the big toe, you're pushing off the second metatarsal, that contact is going to create defor- deformation in the bone, which is going to change the shape of the foot. Yeah. And so for people that wear, for, for a lot of people that wear high-heeled shoes, and I'm going to include men's work boots, because yeah. men's work boots have a little even bit of heel. Even men's dress shoes. Even men's dress shoes. And I can tell, when I wear dress shoes all day, it, I can, my feet hurt, my back hurt for like a week. Yeah. You know, and so, but when you, when you do that and your heel doesn't move and you push off on the big foot or the, the, the inside of the, of the, of the arch, that's where you get A, plantar fasciitis, and B, you get major bunions. So what's the feedback? So from people that wear your shoes, what feedback have you heard, Galahad, from people who all of a sudden, like, they didn't realize what the difference was? Well, we get, we get a lot of hate mail because <laughs> people are kind of like, shit, I can't, you know, I've got this wonderful closet of beautiful, you know, Italian shoes or whatever, and, and, I, and I can't go back to wearing, I can't wear them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yes, but the, you know the feedback is you know, and I think people can't articulate it and don't realise it. But what is happening is that their feet get wider and stronger, and they just enjoy it more. They start taking shorter strides, so they have so sort of less impact going through their whole body. So we get a hell of a lot of feedback of, you know, my chronic neck pain or back pain or hip problem, whatever is is you know is starting to go away just from walking around in less shoes. Yeah. And that's for the interest for full disclosure for listeners. And, and as I'm thinking about it, I, I think I recognize the relationship between Andy and, and, and maybe and, and you. But I've, I've over the years, Andy Clark, who's affiliated with you um, with Vivo Barefoot, I've gotten shoes from him. So I've been wearing Vivo Barefoot on and off probably since about 2014. Maybe I think it was when I got my first pair. And I can when I when I work trade shows, I often wear the Vivo Barefoot because I like being able to stand almost in a barefoot, you know, I'm, I've been barefoot the entire day on my feet versus being in a dress shoe. And I have to tell you, for listeners, I can tell the difference. When I do deadlifting and when I do heavy weightlifting, I wear the, the Vivos and the minimalist shoes because I can feel the strength from the ground up. 
How important, with the researchers that you've worked with and the doctors that you've worked with, how important is it for that interaction between the foot and the ground to help for proper movement? Yeah, I mean, we talk, we talk a lot about that. And the, the, the foot has the same amount of nerve endings as the hands. And the part of your brain that gets information from your feet is the same size as the part of your brain that gets information from the hands. And so by... And, and there's been research done by a guy in um, San Francisco called Mezenich, Dr. Mezenich, okay, yeah. who's, who's, who does a lot of work on neuroplasticity and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's shown that by walking around basically in padded shoes in a concrete world, that part of the brain literally starts to atrophy, and he's linked that sort of just walking around in padded, you know, where, where there's no vital information from every step to brain degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and, and whatever because the brain is literally kind of wasting away. Don't use it, you, you lose it, you know, wolf's law. And um, so that sensory feedback is, is vital to, and if the brain is, is getting sort of dulled data, yeah. let's say from the feet, then it starts making bad movement decisions. Whereas if it's getting accurate vital information, not only is it kind of good for just general vitality, but the brain makes better movement decisions, better loading decisions, whether, whether you're even just standing, um, you know, to, to, to walking, to running, and, you know. I love the fact, sorry to cut you off, but I love the fact, I'm just thinking about the fact you compared the foot to the hand. Because for listeners, I want you to imagine what it'd be like to wear a small glove the entire day. You know, if you normally wear a medium glove, imagine putting a small glove on your hand and trying to wear that for the entire day. How, how do you think wearing a glove too small would affect your ability to hold your phone or drive your car? Exactly. No, and we, we, you know, it's, it's, we, talk, we talk a lot about that kind of thing. This, the lack of sensory feedback and sensory deprivation disorder yeah. is, a, is a big thing in the world today, right? And we're just like, we're cutting ourselves off from our senses. Well, we're human beings. We're built to be on this earth naturally. You know, if you look at the human body, and for listeners, if you look at the human body, we are built, every muscle in our body and every articulation of our joint is aligned to use gravity for energy. You know, we get free energy from the ground, from ground reaction force. Exactly. And that's where if we shut that down, if you put your foot, what I love about you, Spiracy, is you start off right off the bat with your, with your expert from Massachusetts, and I'm blanking on the doctor's name, but 26 uh, bones. Irene Davis. Irene Davis goes right into 26 bones. And between every bone, you have a joint. Yeah. And those joints have nerve endings. Yeah. So, and you're talking about the sensory deprivation. That's brilliant. I wouldn't even have made that connection, but it's absolutely true. We're staring at screens. We're living in concrete. We're living in false environments. And if we have 26 bones in our feet and we have 20 muscles, all, the, all those nerve muscles. endings, yeah. I mean, yeah. all those nerve endings you, and all that connective tissue, if you're not giving feedback, you're not putting data. For listeners, that's like instead, if you're walking around in shoes that don't let your feet move, it's like using a flip phone from 2004. Would that be an, would that be an accurate analogy? Yeah, I mean, and the exciting thing is, as I, as I referenced earlier, and, and, she, and actually Irene Davis also did a study showing this, that you get it back quickly. Yeah, yeah. Right? To your point, it's, you know, humans are adaptable. And you can actually, you know, you can get back foot health quickly, yeah, uh, and dramatically, yeah. And, um, and just, and just for listeners too, just for we were talking, we started off, we talked a little bit about rugby, and, and I played rugby, and Galahad is from the UK, and obviously he was a rugby player, and, and I've had back surgery, I've had issues, but you can I tell from my cauliflower ear. <laughs> well, I don't stare at men's ears too often. Oh, yeah. yeah, now that you mentioned it, yeah, you can see, you can see that background. Um, but what I've noticed is going since wearing wearing minimalist shoes, I've had back surgery, I've been jacked up, I don't have that pain. 
Yeah, I'm 46 years old. I beat my body up doing a lot of physical stuff. And I attribute one of the reasons why I recover well and why I train well is I wear minimalist shoes. Is that the type of story you've been hearing from the general public that, that, you, that buys your shoes? Yeah, I think, you know, as we, as we discussed earlier, there's no question that if you're, your foot, which is designed in movement to absorb an incredible, you know, just even the, the ankle, the arch uh, are, are designed to absorb an incredible amount of uh, shock in movement. And so as soon as you take away, you, you, you raise the heel, support the arch, stop the foot being a dynamic structure that it's designed to be, and, and, and like you say, an elastic structure designed to be, then the chain reaction is you have to absorb that force in your knees, in your hips, in your back. And we, you know, we hear that all the time, and I'm, I, there's no question that um, weak feet lead to problems up the body, you, you know, because you have to overcompensate in other parts of the body, and, and the, your brain is kind of struggling to know where to send the shock, as it were, where to cope, where to tense, where not to tense, because the body's not designed to have to deal with the shocks of movement yeah. up the chain, it's designed to deal with it, most of it, in the feet. And that's what, what people should realize is your foot, when you hit the ground... When your I foot, say designed, I mean evolved. Yeah, and that, that would be a great thing. Creatively designed. Yeah, because we did that. But when the foot... The thing is, when you, when you articulate with the ground, the foot's supposed to make entire contact, and when your foot hits the ground, it's designed to be mobile. But as soon as your center of mass passes over the foot, it actually changes the transverse tarsal joint to create a stable lever for propulsion. And that's where I think, you know, so the foot's designed to go from being mobile to being stable. Yeah. How did shoe manufacturers go down this path of being overstable? Well, I mean, Mike Fritton in the, in the, in the Shoespiracy film talk, talks about it. And, and, and you know, his, his sort of um, explanation is that as soon as you raise the heel and you create this um, instability in the, in the crucial part of the gate, yeah. you know, you know, the... the, the they're smart people shoot manufacturing you know they've, they've invested a hell of a lot of money in it and they noticed it and they just started kind of coming up with all kinds of crazy technologies to try and then create that stability yeah. right? and um, I mean you know I mean if you look back over the last 50 years since Nike launched I mean the amount of different technologies that have been launched torsion beams and supports and gels and you know, I, God knows. You know, God knows what it kind of you know breaks my heart to even mention them, as it were. But um, well, that's what's amazing to me. These athletes that that need their feet, they're in shoes that are over-engineered. They're wearing ankle braces. They're usually taping their ankles. They're so stiff. How does that How does that affect the body? Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm surprised that it hasn't happened yet. That a kind of big elite athlete has kind of like just said enough's enough. I mean, the the one guy I know is um, there's a, the, Roger Federer yeah. gets his shoes bespoke made by and, and and actually Nike bespoke make a lot of shoes for their elite elite athletes. But he's he's getting made fun of on the tennis tour. They call him Hobbit Foot because he's got particularly wide. Mm -hmm strong feet and he gets his shoes specially made by Nike apparently this is I heard this in a Brad Gilbert interview yeah. and they're specially thin and they're specially wide and obviously he's kind of the you know longest least injured tennis player that the, the the world's almost ever known and, and huh. if you look at the way he moves he's a lot of the time kind of on his forefoot just moves a lot more graceful 
smooth way than other tennis players that people like Nadal and even Murray who's just gone through horrendous hip surgery yeah. and might never play again and Nadal has constantly got knee problems and ankle problems you know they slam their heels down and sort of move in a completely kind of unnatural way as it were compared to Federer yeah now that's I'm, I'm now I need, I'm just sitting here thinking I need to go to YouTube and watch some Federer because I'm not a huge tennis fan, but oh, I need yeah. to go to YouTube and watch some Federer video just to see the difference because and I think for listeners that might not be a bad idea because you get power out of the ground and the better articulation between the foot and the ground, the more power you can develop through the rest of your body. I'm going to show you a picture here. Yeah, we yeah. went to Last Maker in um, in. Uh, one of the, our factories in Asia, and they also make last for Nike. Last are the plastic foot shape that um, uh, you make shoes shoes on, and they had all the. Uh, so, so Nike made the. These are the, these are the last I'm showing you. Oh wow! And you can describe them of yeah. Nike's elite basketball players, people like Kobe Bryant, and I can't remember. Yeah. So, um, so he's showing me pictures of these 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 feet. They look like plaster or plastic feet, and you can see how they're they're molded. The, and you can see the little bumps from the bones, the muscles. So, yeah, that makes sense. The professional athletes would have customized feet or customized shoes made for them that hopefully help them articulate better. But you see how. Excuse my French, but how fucked those feet are. Yeah. And and as I understand it, like you say, the way that so Nike three D scan their feet and yeah. they make bespoke shoes to the already screwed feet. And the athletes, as you know, like they they wear a pair of socks, they then completely tape everything. Yeah. And then put another pair, and then put the shoes on, that are completely sort of it's, they, their feet are kind of like just completely immobilized, yeah. almost in casts. Yeah. And and it's a sort of self fulfilling prophecy, as it were. Then that the oh, well, and that's what I when I watch professional athletes, I'm like, you, for the, especially with the chronic knee and ankle issues, I'm like, guys, you don't realize that your footwear is probably your footwear and your inability to make rapid direction changes is going to be the cause of the problem. Yeah. I don't understand why it hasn't happened, because there's pretty good. I mean, you've probably seen it yourself, but the if you just get someone to um, standing jump, like everyone can standing jump significantly higher in bare feet compared to wearing padded shoes. Yeah, yeah. So I, it just it feels strange to me that the basketball player hasn't gone. I mean, you know, I guess obviously the money and everything's so much that. Uh, well, they're used to team expect trainers. A sort of nerdy white guy might have kind of just. On left, <laughs> and yeah. sort of being the first basketball player to really go there, and, and, I, and I'm sure it will happen soon, but yeah. um, I'm surprised it happen, hasn't happened yet. And I, you know, and why did you guys? So, Shoe Spiracy is a great little video you guys released. You know, have recently released. Why did you guys decide to make Shoe Spiracy, and what's the primary message with it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Shoe Spiracy is you know, it's obviously a, a, a catchy title and things. And I mean, it, we, I mean, the more I got into this, and I've been doing this now for more than 10 years and I've gone around to a lot of the leading shoe companies all over the world including some of the biggest uh, shoe companies in America and um, you know often tried to collaborate with them and especially on kids shoes where we because the kids shoe business is very difficult and in many ways the kids business is a kind of social mission for us Mm -hmm. and and, uh, so I always thought if I could get one or two of the biggest shoe companies in the world to just get into it that would be the quickest best social job I could do as it were to get as many kids into minimalist shoes as possible because the science is pretty black and white around you should just allow the kid's foot to develop naturally 
And adults making fashion choices is kind of another thing. And in running, there's lots of variables. So kind of the science is like really solid around kids, is really solid around walking. And then in running, it's kind of there's lots of variables involved and things like that. And it's kind of well, let's let's almost come back to that later, as it were. But so she, we, you know, we wanted to make something like Shoespiracy for a while, and we've just made what we call a trailer now, and we'd like to turn it into an hour-long documentary. And we're, I, I was sort of hassling a friend who works at Netflix all last night trying to sort of get them to you know, sign us up. But anyway, um, the, the leaders of these shoe companies often said to me, oh, yeah, we get it, we understand all about barefoot, da-da-da, but the consumer isn't ready. Hmm. And, and yeah, we'd be interested to collaborate, but could we just kind of maybe just put a little bit of a heel rise in and maybe just have a lot, slightly more fashionable shape you know, we can't really go, we don't really want to go all the way there. And, you know, I, and I'm very principled about this. It's like you can't, you can't be half pregnant on yeah. this. <laughs> I, we're either going to do it right or we're not going to do it at all. And I've had three or four instances over the last years of, like, nearly launching kind of collaborative lines with big shoe companies. And they always have wanted to compromise on mm-hmm. uh, basically the, 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 the function of the, the, the shoe allowing the foot to do its natural thing. And we've always said, look, you know, we've always just drawn a line. So look, either we're going to use our last, or, or we're not going to, we're not going to do it. And so, you know, um, because we haven't managed to persuade any of the really big companies to go for it, you know, so we, you know, this is just a part of like the best we can do. We think is to just try and at least educate and make people as conscious and aware of keeping at least their kids in as little shoe as possible for as long as possible, because. The fact that most Western kids end up with deformed, weak feet when they go into adulthood is, if it's not a conspiracy, then it's definitely a public health scandal. That's, and that's frankly, it is a bit of yeah. a conspiracy because the shoe industry bosses know it and they know that they're doing wrong. And I've heard too many people say, oh, you know, kids' shoes, kind of the industry used to be a little bit around health, but now it's just fashion and outfit completers yeah. and mini-me's. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's scandalous and it's a problem. And, you know, like, we're on a mission to bloody change that. Well, and then the talk about a couple of the experts that you have in the video, because you have some really well-renowned people in this community. Not, and you talked about one who kind of did a 180. You know, one of your consultants, you said, kind of looked at the research and, and realized that this is the way to go. Yeah. Irene Davis, who's the director of the uh, Spalding National Running Institute based at Harvard, um, she went on an incredible journey where she started as a, as a biomechanist um, and researcher um, and through looking at the data kind of as we like to say came out of the barefoot closet and she realized that actually the padded running shoes were frankly doing more harm than good and the more data and experiments she did the more she realized and the more minimalist she got the better results she got for her patients and her athletes and whatever um, and so she um, yeah she's a really interesting one because a lot of people obviously kind of come to barefoot in, in a slightly kind of maybe hippie back to nature kind of way yeah. but she came to a very data led scientific way and you know we, we hope with her we're going to launch the uh, and it's her idea is to launch the decade of the foot and bring back the foot and, and a lot of people in that film a lot of medics and um, scientists talk about how poorly 
foot health and frankly foot anatomy and biomechanics is taught in medical school yeah and so because the surgeons themselves almost don't understand it that well and the surgeons then educate the sort of doctors and the doctors kind of educate the you know the the whole sort of tree is yeah and and and, and the whole sort of there just needs to be a whole re-education from the medical industry backwards to, to, to society on foot health well, I think that's a function. Well, you have that. You have there are a couple of books that have come out there and talk more about the you know the, the benefits of barefoot running. And for listeners, just so you know, um, I, my kids do have a couple of Vivo barefoot. They have a couple of Vivo barefoot shoes that they love wearing. But every time we go to the playground, they ask to take their shoes off. I let them. You yeah, know, and that's really that's, and that's when we go, that's the gold standard. And, and to go back to rugby again <coughs> in the UK, I, I know in, S, in SA in South Africa they do, and I'm not I don't remember out of Aussie and New Zealand. Yeah. But I know with kids with youth sports in like in certain countries, the kids are barefoot when they when they first start playing yeah. do, do, are the kids in UK do that because I know in really. soccer and rugby like in South Africa and Australia I know they play like U10 soccer and rugby barefoot and I yeah. didn't know if they did that in the UK not really but we've, we've started working with a guy in England called Peter Jeffries who's a scientist based out of Leeds University and he did a study actually in New Zealand South Africa and Germany on looking at kids and uh the uh, kids in South Africa and New Zealand, like you say, were basically all chose to go barefoot and actually do a lot of their sports barefoot and play rugby barefoot. Yeah. And um, the results were staggering again in terms of foot health and mobility and strength. So is that why the All Blacks are always so dominant? <laughs> I, 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 I think it's probably, you know, uh, there's something in it for sure. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. You know, no doubt. And then how, how do people find out? Where, where can people get Vivo Barefoot? Who, who are the outlets? You guys, how do you guys sell them? Where? So as you can probably guess, we're not that friendly with the shoe industry at large. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, uh, and we're sort of uncomfortable bedfellows with big padded shoes and, and you know, it's, it's amazing. We're kind of in, a, in a, a maximalist era as far as the shoe industry is concerned and brands like Hoka are kind of yeah. selling more than ever. And, you know, I was talking to the, uh, a guy who runs a chain of running stores and he says, like, the consumer's just confused. You know, like, eight years ago, V-Brand Five Fingers were all over the, all over the shop floor. Yeah. You know, now it's all Hoka 1-1s and... It's just kind of you know from one extreme to the other. So anyway, we don't um, we are we sell direct to the consumer. Um, we so all through vivobarefoot.com. You can also get them on Amazon and Zappos. But um, yeah, fundamentally, it's we we have a direct relationship with the consumer, and you know it's exciting because we are growing in the last six to nine months faster than we've ever grown, um, and so something is happening again, yeah. and it's not thanks to the shoe industry, it's just the fact that I think consumers are slowly kind of waking back up to it. People are kind of waking back up to it. And I think more and more people are just having good, everyday experiences. And the second barefoot revolution, as we like to call it, is a more intelligent one, it's a more considered one, and we hope the message is getting out there. Just don't run in our shoes. Yeah. Take it easy, take it slow, walk before you run. And build it up slowly, and you know, and more important than anything, look after your bloody kids' feet. Yeah, and that's but that's why. And for listeners, and for you, Galahad, I am not. I don't like talking to product companies that much because I don't want this to be an infomercial. I don't want to like do infomercials. But because I've used your products, and, and for listeners, one of my favorite thing, absolutely one of my favorite thing about Vivo Barefoot shoes is I do a lot of travel. I fly over a hundred thousand yeah. miles a year. You can pack them. Around, <laughs> they are so easy to pack. Yeah. They are the best shoes. Every every time I travel. 
They're my only training shoes I go with when I travel because they are so easy to pack. They take up no space, and I love, love, love. I mean, even the minimalist thing. So just I wanted the opportunity to talk to you because I'm a big fan of the product. I'm a huge fan of Barefoot, and I just you know I wanted I wanted listeners to understand that you could be you be, could be causing injury from your ground up from the shoes you're wearing. I think I mean my wife who runs the kids business is is one of the things she's anxious to launch actually is a kind of health through feet yeah um interactive kind of service as it were and uh so she, so you know it's, it's, it's something we're going to look into and I'm, I'm sure that you know as we find out more and more that like weak deformed feet just cause so many problems through the whole body and just helping people get back to it's not like like, like we're saying Strong feet is just getting back to natural foot strength, and I think the more people we can get back to natural foot strength, the less kind of chronic pain and injuries you know we're going to see in the world. That's got to be a good thing because in a world where we're just sitting around most of the time, you know, enjoying movement again is something we're all keen to you know help contribute to. Well, Galahad Clark, I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to seeing you down the line. Lovely to meet you, and uh, you know, thank you for your time here. Cheers. Okay, you heard the interview. Before I before I share some of my thoughts about the benefits of barefoot training and, and how I use barefoot training or, or minimalist shoe training, I want to. If you want to learn more about fitness, if you want to learn more about exercise, my book "Smarter Workouts: The Science of Exercise Made Simple" it comes at it from the point of view of how to use fitness to enhance your quality of life. There's so much information out there about weight loss, appearance. That stuff doesn't interest me. You know, I'm sorry. You know, form follows function. If you improve the function of your body, guess what? Your form will look better. But if you want to learn more about how to use fitness and how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life, that's exactly why I do this podcast, and that's exactly why I wrote Smarter Workouts. So if you want to learn more, if you want to learn 21 great workouts that you can do at home, at the gym, or if you travel like me, uh, you pick up Smarter Workouts, and there's a ton of great information in there. There'll be a link below in the show notes. Now, to share my thoughts on this, Galahad made a comment in there that was absolutely 1,000% true. If you look at the human body, think of the human body like your cell phone. And you've probably heard me say this analogy before, but the cell phone is nothing more than plastic, metal, and a a few bits of glass, right? There's really not much in a cell phone. What makes a cell phone work? The operating system. Whether you use Google, whether you use iOS, it doesn't really matter. But the operating system is what makes a cell phone work. Well, your body is somewhat the same way. The skeleton, your skeleton, your bony structures, your tissues, your muscles, your connective tissues, the fascia, that's all the hardware. So your muscles, your skeletal structures, those are the hardware. That's like the plastic and glass of a cell phone. The software, the operating system is your nervous system. And your body, the the default position for movement in our body is walking. We spend the first 12 to 14 months of our lives learning how to walk. And everything, every structure in our body is designed to be most effective when we're walking on our feet. That is why our feet are so important. You know, we have like 26 bones in the feet. Between every bone, we have joints. In every joint, there are nerve endings. When your feet move on the ground, it's a data. That's the biggest area where you get data. Your cell phone gets data from the Wi-Fi network or from the network it's on. And if you want to think about it, to take the analogy a step further, every time you learn a new exercise, every time you learn a new movement, you're downloading new software into your system. So if you learn a new exercise, that's like downloading an app onto your phone because an exercise allows you to use your hardware slightly differently. That's why your footwear is so important. Your feet are where you, are, you interact with the ground. 
and you get a ton, you get a ton of information from the ground. That was the mistake that was made with Vivo Barefoot. So they're two different, or sorry, Vibrum. Vibrum was a company, not Vivo. Vibrum is the five finger shoes. And I love, I have one or two pairs of Vibrums in my closet that I still wear from time to time. But the mistake made about eight, nine years ago when, when the five finger shoes first became popular was people didn't respect that there's a transition period to go from wearing traditional shoes to letting your feet function naturally. And you heard me say in, in, the, in the interview, that's about a three to six month transition period. That's what Dr. Emily Splickle and I talked about a little bit on the previous episode too, are the benefits of barefoot training and that transition period. So I, I'm a huge fan of Vivo Barefoot Shoes. And I want you to know that I do not have a commercial relationship with them. They do not pay me. They have given me maybe four or five pairs of shoes over the last four or five years, maybe one pair a year or something like that. But they do that with a number of educators like myself in the industry. A number of clothing companies will give us free product to wear when we're given a talk or we're given a presentation in front of an audience. I have a whole closet full of shoes that I get. And you know, the Vivos are one of the shoes I wear most frequently, one of the, one of the pairs I got for free that I wear most frequently because number one, barefoot training works, but not every exercise is suitable for being done in bare feet. Where I like to use minimalist shoes is in heavy strength training. You know, I don't like to walk barefoot in the gym. If I train on my own, I might go outside. I might do some kettlebell swings in the grass. There is a benefit to um, what's called grounding where your feet interact naturally with the earth. That was a little bit of out of the scope of, of what we wanted to get into today, but there is something called grounding where the theory is that there's a, you create a positive charge in your body. I think, I think the theory is you can create a positive charge of electricity in your body. And by interacting with your bare feet on the earth, you use the polarity of the earth to reduce that positive charge to help balance energy in your body. Again, it's a theory. I live in Southern California. I hear this type of stuff all the time. There's something to it. There's something to every one of those series, but let's get back to how we use barefoot training. I will run sprints. I'll do sprints in my bare feet. I will do sprints in minimalist shoes. But if I'm going to be doing an agility workout, if I'm going to be making multiple changes of directions, I wear the appropriate footwear. I wear more training shoes. Training shoes have a more solid base. The training shoes have a little bit of a drop. You know, we used to call training shoes cross trainers. You know, they're different. You know, training shoes have a little more lateral stability. Training shoes are designed for lateral movement and multiple changes of direction. If you want to do those type of exercises, training shoes are a better way to go. If you want to do strength training, minimalist shoes provide some benefit, but they don't have the same support that training shoes. So I'll use minimalist shoes for strength training or core training where I'm using my entire body. But what I'll do is if I'm going to be doing speed training, like just running in a straight line, I'll go barefoot. If I'm going to be doing multiple changes of direction, agility drills, I'll either wear cleats that I'm going to play rugby in or I'll wear proper training shoes. So you can look around at that and understand and look at the appropriate footwear. If you look at running shoes, running shoes have a higher heel, but they're designed to go forward. Running shoes are not designed to move laterally. And if you wear running shoes in a class that you do a lot of lateral movement, you make a lot of changes of direction, you could be possibly at a higher risk for rolling your ankle because the running shoes have that higher heel and it's more unstable. So there is a real, there's a purpose for the different shoes we wear when we work out. What I wanted to do with the interview with Galahad when I had the opportunity was I wanted to hear some of the science behind the barefoot shoes. And what was fascinating to me is here is somebody from a shoemaking family, seven generations going back. He's made a lot of money putting shoes on your feet. He's doing it differently. So please 
take a look at the shoe spiracy. There's going to be a link down below in the show notes. It's a great documentary, very quick, about seven minutes. It features Dr. Splickle, who's a previous guest on All About Fitness. And this is just, I want you to understand that, that everything in your body has an impact on your overall fitness level. Everything in your body, from your feet to your hands to your shoulders to everything in your body impacts the way you move and impacts the benefits that you can get from your fitness program. One of the easiest places to start is with your feet because your feet are where you interact with the ground. So depending on what your training goals are, look at your footwear. Are you wearing the proper footwear? Minimalist shoes are not for everything. If I'm doing a lot of walking, I'm not wearing minimalist shoes. I'm wearing more of a training shoe or more of a running type of shoe. But minimalist shoes can be great because they allow your foot to move naturally. And I do feel the difference. I do feel like my feet are stronger. I do feel like I have better control of my hips and better control of my body because I do a lot of strength training with minimalist shoes. And I've heard the same thing from clients and from friends. So take it with what you will. What I try to do on the podcast is I put the information out there. I want you to have the best information straight from the source, the people who are doing that work. You can make that decision about whether or not minimalist shoes are right for your fitness program. With that, if you want to follow along with me on Instagram, I put a lot of information up on Instagram on the type of exercises that can help you enhance your quality of life. My Instagram handle is Pete McCall underscore fitness. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. If you want to send me some feedback, a direct email, you can do so at Pete at Pete McCall fitness.com. That's Pete at Pete McCall fitness.com. Thanks for stopping by, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.